prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for your many blessings which you have outpoured upon us. We are undeserving of them. We thank you, Lord, for the word this morning that was so clear and uh, we cannot dispute it. We pray that we would all um, take notes from it and from your unfailing grace. It is only we who hinder your grace when we don't humble ourselves. Bless the word as it goes forth this afternoon. Be thou the teacher and use this vessel of clay for your glory. We pray and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. With the Lord's help, I'd like to turn to the second letter of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 12. 2 Corinthians, chapter 12. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory... I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such and one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I shall say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth me to be. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in precaution, in, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I am become a fool in glorying. Ye have not compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. For nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it wherein ye were inferior to the other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours but you, for the children ought not 
to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. But be it so, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? Again, think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things dearly, beloved, for your edifying. For I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall not be found unto you such as you would not. Lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, and tumults. And lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. The... Apostle Paul was writing to his beloved church as we heard not long ago the, the kind of church it was and where it was located and how many problems and difficulties they had. And you can just read from 1 Corinthians 1 to 2 Corinthians 13 all the way and there you will see the Apostle Paul uncovers many, many problems. Through it all, one thing is very clear, that the Apostle, regardless of the difficulties and problems that befell the church, was unconditionally committed to them, to the believers at Corinth, And he is a true reflection of how Christ views the church as well. Perhaps if anyone was exhibited the qualities and the traits of Jesus Christ the most, who was perhaps mostly... um, represented Christ's sacrificial nature in life on this earth. It was the Apostle Paul. He's so careful that he didn't want to be imposing or burdensome to this church in some way, to put upon their necks some kind of a burden or a load that was too heavy for them whether it was that he required financial assistance or whether he was demanding of them in some way that was above measure. Whether his expectations were too high. But he says, I will not be burdensome to you. I will seek not yours, but you. 
I'm not interested in what you have to offer me, but I'm seeking your hearts. He was after their hearts, and that is exactly what Jesus was after. When Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon of the Mount, um, he focused on their hearts. He said, you heard what the law said, thou shalt not do this, but thou shalt not do that. But I say unto you, I'm more interested in your heart. It said, don't commit adultery. But I say unto you, if you've done it in your heart, you've committed adultery in your heart, if you've lusted after a woman. It said, don't kill. But if you hate, it comes from the heart. And so Jesus was interested in the heart because when the heart changes, everything else changes. Everything else changes. The action of your hands, you know, James says, you know, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your minds, you, you, uh, your hearts, you double-minded. The hands change because the heart changes. And that's a vast difference from Christianity and all other faiths, all other denominations, all other religions, that God is not interested in ritual and externals, but he's interested in the heart. As the saying goes, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. The Apostle Paul, as zealous as he was for the gospel and for the church of God, he said, I didn't want to be burdensome to you, but I will spend, gladly spend and be spent for you. I would gladly spend and be spent for you. And he didn't likely have a lot of money. He likely didn't work a lot with his hands to gain money because he didn't have a lot of time for that. And many brethren helped him financially along the way, gave him food, shelter, maybe some clothing, so that he could preach the gospel. And he said in, in another chapter in 1 Corinthians 9 that, you know, that it's written that you don't stomp out the or forbid the oxen that, that treads on the, on the corn. You don't fit him, forbid him to eat of, of the corn that's there. But he hadn't asked them for any money, lest somebody would take that and say, that's what the Apostle Paul is really working for, for the earthly reward. But he gave of himself, not so much perhaps money, but he gave of his energy, his um, availability to them, and I'm sure, um, if I can put it in a nice way, of his nerves. I'm sure, and, and, and you know yourself, when you're under great stress, it can have a great impact on your, on your central nervous system the stress, the anxiety, the sorrow, the pain. But what motivated him was the love 
that he had for God and for his people. And that's why he says, and I will gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. The more I strive to do what's in your best interest, you see that as contrary to my best interest, and you love me less because of it. You know, I was... I had two chapters in mind today. This one chapter came because I talked with a particular person today and reminded me of this chapter, but I also had another chapter in, in mind for this afternoon. It was Hebrews 12, and it speaks very much along the same lines where the, the writer of Hebrews, it's not sure who it could have been, likely the Apostle Paul, but it's not conclusive. And he says in Hebrews chapter 12, it's, it's the, the description of how God loves us, his children. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You know... If you talk to the world today, and we heard that this morning, when a son is chastened, whether it would be physically or with some kind of sanctions, uh, at least the physical part will be looked down upon today. Yes, there have been abuses, and the, the reaction to that has been to take away complete physical chastening. But... The chastening of the Lord, he says, um, don't despise it. Don't resent God for the chastening. Don't resent your earthly fathers either if they impose upon you some kind of a discipline for incorrect behavior. Because it's really an act of love. I remember the time when Millie was in hospital with the third or second child, I forget, third child maybe. And I saw the, whatever it was, the wooden spoon or the switch. And I knew that she's a gentle woman. But she had a switch. And I knew that that was a token of her love. And the, the apostle says here that don't resent, don't hold it against God because you're chastened. Because if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. He does it because you are his sons. For what son is he whom the father doesn't chasten? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all that are partakers, then you are bastards. You don't have legitimate fathers. They may be called your fathers, but they're not legitimate. 
They don't act like legitimate fathers. They, they act like they're your stepfathers who have no care for you, perhaps. They're just in it for the relationship with the wife. And then he says, Now no chastening for the present time seems joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are willing to be exercised thereby. I put that word willing in there, but I think that's what it means. Those that are exercised and allow the Father to chasten them and accept, should I say, the chastening, it brings a peaceable fruit of righteousness. And the Apostle Paul, as, as sacrificial was, as he was in his work, had a, a situation where the Lord allowed a certain weight or, or um, thorn in the flesh, as he calls it here, for a specific reason. And, and in some ways I, I cannot understand it, in other ways I can. It almost parallels uh, the, the situation with Job. When Satan was wandering to and fro, and God asked him, what are you doing wandering to and fro in the earth? And he says, oh, I'm seeking, you know, he's seeking to destroy us. What, what can he do? Who can he challenge of God's people? And God said to him, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. He is choose evil. He loves righteousness. And so, almost as if God says, here he is, Go for it, Satan. See what you can do. But you can't touch his flesh. Can't touch his life. And it's almost as here, as, as, as it says that Paul sees this vision or has revelations. And in these revelations or visions, and he wasn't quite sure whether it occurred an out-of-body experience or in the body, he doesn't know. But he says, I knew a man in Christ 14 years ago. This comes to his Memory, 14 years ago, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But I remember that he was caught up into the paradise, into paradise, into heaven, and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Like, if you remember the vision that Ezekiel had in the temple, and, and Isaiah had in the temple, Ezekiel saw things that, when he described them, you couldn't even make sense of them. And Apostle Paul would not even dare utter something like this. Maybe they thought he was crazy. And maybe God told him not to tell anybody this. It wasn't lawful for him to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, glory here means boast. Though I would desire to boast about certain things, I will not be a fool. Though I would desire to boast about all these great revelations that God gave me and lift myself up, I don't want to be foolish. Many people do that today. They have manifestations of the Spirit and they have to prove that they have some kind of a spirituality by speaking in tongues, by performing miracles, and then people are standing in awe and say, wow, he must be really godly. 
As a matter of fact, I've heard it from people that have got involved with that in our, in our circles, and they've come and told elders, you aren't born again because you can't speak in tongues. He says, I had all these revelations, and God gave it to him for a reason. He said, for I will say the truth, but I now forbear, lest any man should think me above that which he seeth me to be. I could tell you everything, but I'm not going to tell you in case you have the wrong impression of who I am. I'm really nothing. I'm nobody. I'm an empty vessel, a vessel of clay. And what I do, I do by the Spirit of God which is in me. It's not me. And lest I be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. I often think, God, when are we going to be released from this the stress and the pain and the suffering when times get tough. But I know God knows me better than I know myself. And I know that God allows these things in my life to keep me humble, to keep me low, lest I should be exalted above measure. Someone once said, don't pray for God to take certain things away. He just might do that. I remember the story of the kite, how he was soaring in the air and he wishes he could have his freedom to fly away, to have his freedom. And then somebody cut the string and the, the kite went and tumbled to the ground. It was destroyed. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. We don't know what it is. As mentioned, maybe, was it last week? He may have had some eye condition, and that's why he had to write big letters. We don't know. But he told the Galatians, if it were possible, there was one time, if I would have asked for your eyes, you would have given them to me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Even though God allows these burdens of the day, these stresses of life upon us, there's a reason that he allows them. And he gives us just enough grace to deal with them. He gives us grace to deal with them. And he gives grace. It's mentioned twice in Peter and James. He gives grace unto the humble. And Paul is saying the same thing here. For my strength, for God's strength, Christ, this is Christ speaking to him, for Christ's strength is made perfect in your weakness, in my weakness. When we are weak, when we humble ourselves, when we submit ourselves, God's strength can be made perfect. 
Our humility is the enabler. It enables, it opens the gate for God's grace to empower us to do what he wants us to do. And he said, Therefore, I take pleasure in the infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Just this weekend, we discussed some of these things at the elder meeting as to why people have problems in their lives. Why do we have difficulties in our strivings? And one topic that came up was we cannot handle affluence. I remember talking to Brother George Freund maybe 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and I asked him, what do you think, Brother George, is the biggest problem in our churches today? His response then was affluence. We've got too much money compared to the rest of the world. We have more than enough. And we're seeking how to feather our own nests. And we go about doing that and we spend less time with other more important things. And each and every one of us have to give account for ourselves on how we deal with that. But when you have nothing, you have nothing to hold on to. And the Apostle Paul really had the bare necessities to go from town to town, from house to house, to minister to the flock. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. He almost had this sense of security when he was being persecuted, when he was under infirmities and reproaches and and evil speaking from other people, that he was in the right place. And Jesus said of the Pharisees, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! Woe unto you when men speak well of you! It's good to have a good reputation, but Christ was speaking in another sense. When the people that want to hear what they want to hear, and you tell them what they want to hear, and they say, oh, you're such a good preacher. And we have, such, we have so many of that in, in North America today where people want to hear what they want to hear. They don't want to hear words that are sharp, that are deep, that are convicting. They just want to hear God who loves you no matter what. And he does. But they don't give the other half of the story. That God loves you enough that he'll chasten you. That he, that he wants you to repent of your sin. So that he doesn't send you to the place you want to go in your unconverted state. He felt in this place of persecution, if he's speaking the truth and he's being reviled and persecuted, he knows he's doing the right thing. But when persecution stops, 
You say, what haven't I been doing? No one's. I haven't had any problems. There was a story, I forget who, who told it, when I first came to Canada. Was it Brother Willie or somebody? Where people were, were sent to the army, or wherever it was, at work, and there's always at work problems. If you, they know you're a Christian, there's jesting, there's... And the person said, you know what? Nobody knew that I was a Christian. So they couldn't make fun of me. Or they wouldn't give me a hard time. He said, I've become a fool in glorying. And he almost had to come to the level of what he had to boast for them to get the message. I've become a fool in glorying. You have compelled me. He wanted to somehow inspire them to a, a, a higher level of, of sancti sanctification by showing them what they need to be doing by his example. He says in 1 Corinthians 11, Be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. And some say it's impossible to, be, it's impossible to live the Sermon on the Mount. And the Apostle Paul says, well, be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. There's much to say, but I pray that every one of us will see that being a Christian involves denying ourselves, it involves taking up the cross and following Jesus. Denying ourselves means not listening to our own human mind, but listening to what God has to say to us. It means humbling ourselves and depending completely upon God's direction for our lives to the point where we will face inconveniences, we will face... Um, Heckling, we will face uncomfortable situations at work, in the family, in the church, but for Christ's sake. And that trial that God puts us through, that test, makes us better Christians, makes us more effective lights for others. And we can only do that by dying to self, by becoming weak and letting God's grace work in us. May the Lord bless his word to him be the glory evermore. Amen. John in his letter, first letter, and Peter, the apostle in his first letter, says in different ways that one of the signs of being born again is that we have the love of God in our hearts. And it's that love which really motivates us to do the most unpleasant things sometimes 
to take the most menial tasks or the most difficult tasks for the benefit of others. And it is that love that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us that will keep us in union with God and nothing can separate us from him if we have that love in our hearts. And I pray that we will all be humble enough to receive God's grace that the love of Christ may be more and more manifest us in us from day to day. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.